fantastic man of God. And we can't wait to hear what the word he's going to bring today. So can we please give Josh a big warm welcome as he comes up to share a word. Thank you, Josh. Thank you very much. Are we able to quickly play that video? That's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes, and, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here there. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. stop. All right, so stop it. We'll pray and then uh, you guys can go home. It's pretty simple, I think. No, I, I'll pray and then I'll get into the Word. Father, we pray and we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you guide us in all of our ways. And Father, uh, we just thank you for your unconditional love. Guide me this morning as I preach your Word. 
um, and to preach only your word, Father, in your precious name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to go from Daniel 6, and um, I'm going to talk about prayer. Um, and that video is going to tie into what I'm talking about. So it's not just a, a little video that's funny and, you know, that doesn't mean anything. But um, I want to tie it in because I think it ties in well to prayer. So here we go, Daniel 6. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as an as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. So Daniel was more capable. So it wasn't he was more than capable, he wasn't more than capable of doing that, he was actually more capable than all the other officers that were in that role. Okay? So we're already seeing a picture in the first couple of verses of who Daniel is. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some, for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. So here we are. How many people, if you ask your worst enemy to find fault in you, that they could easily find fault in you? Those of you that are married, if you were to ask your spouse if they could find fault in you, right? How long is a piece of string, right? They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him with. These are people that were literally searching for every single thing. They were trying to uncover every little dirty secret he had. They couldn't find anything. So again, we're getting a little bit more of a glimpse into Daniel's character. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be to in connection with the rules of his religion. Abraham Lincoln said, if you want to test a man's character, give him power. We can see by Daniel's character that even though he was given power, his character remained the same. And the reason for that is as we go down further, we'll see. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live the king, Darius. We're all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors and governors that the king should make a law that will strictly enforce. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Now, this next verse here is probably my favourite verse in the Bible because in a small one verse, it literally sums up an entire way of us as Christians of how we should be. So in Daniel 6 verse 10, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, and with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So what we're seeing is more than capable, couldn't find any fault. As soon as there was an issue, he went and prayed. So Daniel's character was tied into prayer. So he went, as he had always done, three times a day and prayed. So Daniel would pray. And if you read into sort of the different things, usually between 6 and 9 a.m., he would pray in the morning at 12 noon. And then again, after the day, between 3 and 6, he'd pray again. But when we actually look deeper into all of this, it was as soon as he learned it had been signed. 
Now, he's a high official, so he would have known that this thing was going to come to pass. He would have known. He wasn't kept in the dark because he was up there. The king would have told him that this was going to happen and all this sort of stuff. He didn't try and stop it. He didn't try and do anything. What he did was he went, all right, God, you know what? I trust you. I trust the process. I'm going to go and pray as I've always done. I'm not going to change anything because I know that if I pray that whatever you want to happen will happen. Daniel couldn't change anything. He, couldn't, he didn't change his character suddenly because he wanted to be argumentative or anything like that. He just went and prayed. Verse 11, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of the lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands and it's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Verse 13, then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. So Daniel knew the consequences. Daniel knew what would happen if he was caught. And you know what? He knew that they would come and find him because he knew that they knew when he would pray. But he still did it. Now, he didn't get down on his knees and when they came in, they went, oh, there's that contact lens I found. It's all right, guys, I found it. Didn't need the search party. No, he just kept praying giving thanks to God. So, far, so here we are in between a rock and a hard place. So in one sense, Daniel has to make a decision. Daniel's either got to pray and break the law and be thrown into the den of the lions, or he's got to disobey God. So he's either got to please man or please God. In our lives, we face this on a daily battle. We face this daily battle to either please man or to please God, to please our spouse or to please God to please our children or to please God. And yes, the two can be mutually exclusive and can be mutually together as well. But at the same time, God, at the, at the end of the day, when we seek first his kingdom, everything else will be given to us. Verse 14, hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. You see, the king knew that because Daniel was a praying man, the wisdom, the guidance, and the ability that he had, the king needed. Daniel didn't go searching for power. Daniel didn't go searching for authority. Daniel didn't go searching for a title. He went searching for God. And through that searching, he found power, he found authority, and he found a title. And the king knew that he needed Daniel's wisdom and Daniel's God if he was going to keep doing what he was doing. So the king was trying to find, there must be a way. Surely there's some sort of terms and conditions where I can get out of this. There's a cooling off period of this or whatever it is. He was trying to find a way to get Daniel out of this. He, he thought of Daniel so highly that he was going to go against everything that he had to do. His own reputation to save Daniel. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown to the den of the lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. The king proclaimed to Daniel as he was throwing him in the lion's den, may the God that you serve faithfully rescue you in front of everybody. The king is again giving us a glimpse into Daniel's character, the faithfulness, the reliability of the man. And he's trying everything he can. And so what he does is he falls onto the mercy of God. 
and says, God, I can't do anything. Even though I'm king, I can't do anything. So I will give it over to you. I hope, God, that you will save this man that serves you faithfully. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his royal seal on the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep all night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me, for I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Even though Daniel technically broke the law, because God's law is above human law, he was not seen to be wrong. He didn't seem to break the law. He didn't do anything because God goes, well, the law has come out. They've made this law because they know how faithful you are to me. So God has sent his angels to save him and all that sort of stuff. And I can guarantee you that Daniel did as he always did. And he got down on his knees and prayed even when he was in the lion's den. The king was over, uh, verse 23, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he has trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even had a chance to hit the floor of the den. It's always good to have a happy ending. But then King Darius sent his message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saved his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders. In the heavens and on the earth, he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, uh, the Persian. So... I want, to, um, I want to go back to Daniel 6, verse 10. You know, for us as Christians, we live in a very secular world. We live in a world of certain things. We live in a world of social media. We live in a world of bombardment through news and information. We live in a world that is so over the top at times. We live in a world where people can't go and visit family members, but sports stars can still go and do whatever they want to do. We live in a world where people over in Melbourne can't go next door, but we can fly superstars over from the US to come and play tennis in a hotel room. This is the world we live in. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. Now, the reason why this is key is that the upstairs room was always the room. It was the quiet place. It was a secret place. It was away from the hustle and bustle of the street. It was, it was away from the dining areas. It was away from the living areas. It was, it was the quiet place. It was the open room. Daniel would open his windows toward Jerusalem because obviously the significance of Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees because of surrender before God. Just as a servant would get down before his master and bow and get down on his knees and, and do as he did in the presence of a king, just in the presence of God, Daniel would get down on his knees and humble himself. It didn't matter if he was over the whole empire or not. 
At the, at the end of the day, he was still a child of God. At the end of the day, he was still a servant of the Most High. At the end of the day, he was just Daniel. And he gave thanks, even though he knew that this law and what it meant. Now, we look at this and we often at times in our lives, I think we kind of feel like Daniel. We've done the right things, we've prayed, we've come to church, we serve on 15 teams, we do all that sort of stuff, but for some reason we still get chucked in the lion's den. For some of you, the lion's den is a broken relationship. For some, for some of you, the lion's den is sickness. For some of you, the lion's den is, is unemployment. For some of you, the lion's den is, it could be arranged, insert your lion's den here. But in the face of the lions, in the face of the danger, in the face of it all, are you willing to get down on your knees and pray and give thanks to God? You know, it's, it's a challenging time as we enter into 2021. You know, I think for a lot of us, you know, this time last year, we heard about this thing that was happening overseas, this COVID-19 thing, and we made jokes about it, and every time somebody sneezed or coughed, we went, oh, oh, they got COVID. But it's not a joke anymore. It's, it's our reality now. We're seeing it uh, every single day. But in the midst, are you, are you happy? Are you willing? Are you able to get down on your knees, give thanks to God, and pray? You see, Daniel's character was built around prayer. Daniel's character was built around the fact that no matter what happened, he prayed. No matter what was going on, he prayed, in the good times and in the bad. Now, often at times we, we say in church, and it's not a bad thing, you know, when the bad times come, lean into God. When the bad times come, lean into God. But that means at some point you lean away from God. Daniel never leaned away. He stayed lent into God. He didn't change his prayer life. He didn't suddenly start praying more and fasting more and taking communion six times a day because some preacher online said it was the best thing to do and that all the miraculous things would happen from it. You see, the thing is, is that the simplicity of prayer is actually just talking to God. It's humbling yourself. It's bringing everything that you have, all the baggage, all the stuff, all the rubbish that you have and presenting it before God not doing a, nap, a Facebook update and going, hey, look what's happened, you know, this has happened, and, and airing your dirty laundry online and stuff like that because it makes you feel better that you get 34 likes and a couple of shares. Our first port of call should always be God. It should always be God. Regardless of what is happening regardless of what your life looks like, regardless of the circumstances, it's always God. It's got to be always God because everything else in this world will fall down. Everything else. We've seen the stability of our political parties. We've seen the stability of our workplaces. We've seen the stability of our medical fields and all that sort of stuff. But the one consistent that has stayed throughout all of time from, you know, I've got my nana here. And she tells me awesome testimonies. Why? Because the God that did those testimonies in her life 30, 40, 50 years ago is the same God that's doing miracles in my life. It's the same God that's doing miracles in your life. The same God that will do miracles in your children's lives. But it's got to be God. 
We've got to stop it. We literally have to stop it. We have to stop our minds going down these pathways and sitting there and going, I'm inadequate. I'm not good enough. You know, I, I'm not going to go for that promotion because I'm, I'm not good enough. We'll go to God. See if you're good enough. See if it's the right opportunity. Maybe it's not. Maybe God's going to tell you to quit your job and go do something else. But if you don't go to God first, if you don't make Him your point of call, then every other voice that you're hearing is actually not God. Now, I know the science behind that is pretty crazy, but if you don't hear from God, you're not hearing from God. Now, I understand that prophecy and people can talk to you and stuff like that, but you know what? I've seen over the last six months these major prophets that people have followed on Facebook and throughout the world that pastors and all that sort of stuff that have come out and apologised because their prophecies that they gave in order of stuff that was happening in America, stuff that was happening with COVID and all that sort of stuff, they just jumped on the bandwagon and they admitted it. We've got to stop relying on people. At the end of the day, Pastor Mel and Pastor Jacob, as great as they are, they're still human beings. Me, I'm still a human being. Very much so. I'm not Superman, I'm not anything. But God is God. God will always be God. And if everything else in your life falls away, God will still be God. Even if your craziest mind-boggling things happen in your life and stuff like that, God will still be on the throne. The victory is already there. We just have to walk in it. For some reason, we're walking in this defeatist lifestyle as Christians and we're kind of going, oh, we're almost become Eeyore. <laughs> well, I guess something else terrible is going to happen today. Really? Really? Like, can we not be, you know, or we're piglet and we're scared of everything. We've got to become tiggers. We've got to just bounce around and be excited that something is going on, you know? We've got to actually be excited. Or we can be like Pooh Bear and just be hungry all the time, which is me. But that's the thing, right? We've got to, we've got to look like we're actually excited. You know, if, we come into, if we're driving into church and we see people walking in and they're walking in like this, you sometimes get it. Because they've had a hard week, they've had this sort of stuff and everything like that. But most of the time when you talk to somebody that's got their head down, their shoulders forward, they're slumped down, their connection with God is kind of NBN. It's very intermittent. It's not good. And what we've got to do is we've actually got to get reconnected with God and actually seek Him first in everything. So you get fired from your job. Well, before going on seek, go to God. That relationship you had broke down. Rather, rather than going on e-harmony, go to God. You go through all these different things, right? You go through all these major things. Mental health is bigger than it's ever been before. We're more aware of it. I work in a school, right? Nearly every kid's got a mental health prognosis or, or, or whatever it is. We've got nine-year-olds walking around that are medicated for anxiety, depression and suicidal tendencies. Nine-year-olds. When I was nine, the biggest thing I was angry about was not being able to watch, you know, cartoons on Saturday morning. 
That was it. But now they're exposed to so much. They're given social media. They're given outlets. They're so much more informed that the fear is in there and they don't know what to do with it. They haven't matured enough to kind of understand and comprehend. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, but when we had learned that X, Y, Z, we go to God. When we bring prayer into our, into our midst, into our lives, when we start our day off with prayer, it's like if you were to go to the gym and you were to go, every Sunday morning, I'm going to go and bang weights. And then six weeks down the road, your, your mate who you went with was gone four times a week and you're like, why are you jacked? Why are you like big and strong? And I, I don't know, like I, I'm not. And you're sitting there going, well, if you go once a week and you do the same, you're not really going to do anything. It's the same with if you just come to church and that's your infill, right? If you just come to church on a Sunday and that's it, the Bible stays tucked away somewhere. The prayer that you have with God is sort of, thank you, Jesus, for this food, amen. It doesn't really cut it. We need to actually engage with God. Now more than ever, there is so much out there that is trying to pull us away from God. There is so much out there that is trying to distract us from God. If we just went to God, I reckon we would see our churches suddenly become places that they're meant to be. Hospitals, fitness centres. And I don't mean that in the sense of we're going to have some weights at the back and a couple of hospital beds. I mean it in the sense of when people need healing, they'll know where to come. When people need to be re-energised, they'll know. When people need something. Because the thing is, if we as Christians are suffering as much as the people out there, then what's our difference? What is our point of difference? If, if you go to the people at work and they go surfing on a Sunday morning and you come to church and you're more miserable than them, what's your point of difference? I don't mean to be rude or offensive or anything like that. I just mean it in the sense of, you know, if we have a real tangible relationship and a touch from God, there should be a difference. We shouldn't be the same as everyone else. Otherwise, people are going to look at us and they're going to go, well, why am I going to become a Christian for? You look miserable. You're so angry all the time. And every time I ask you how was church, you sit there and go, they didn't turn up again, so I had to do more of the work myself. Why would they want to come? That's like being a part of a footy club and going, I was on the bench again. Why would they want to come? They'd sit there and go, well, if you're on the bench, why would I want to sit on the bench for? I'm going to pay 250 bucks a year to go and sit on the bench. It's the same thing with church. Why would I come? Why would I come and be a part of something that makes you miserable? We've got to be careful about how we reflect our Christianity. We've got to be careful about how we do it. And the only way we can actually be careful about it is to actually enjoy it. There are going to be tough times. The devil is going to try and unwind you. The devil is going to try and do things to, to, to upset. But you know what? You stand firm. And you go, okay, no worries. That's, that's, that's what you've made. No stress. You know, when... When major things happen in the world, we seem to call prayer meetings, right? All right, we're going to fast and pray. All right, the, the yes, no vote, we're going to fast and pray. We've got the election in America, we're going to fast and pray. We've got this, we're going to fast and pray. Shouldn't we just do that anyway? Like, 
Why do we need a reason to fast and pray? Why do we as Christians seem to get involved in the world's dealings when we just, hey God, I'm not really sure, I don't understand it, but I'm going to come to you and I'm going to seek you in about what I can do in this world. You know, often at times when we're in our lion's den is when we feel our most vulnerable. Those sharp teeth, the growls, all those things, that's when our vulnerability is there. You know, I know, you know, there was this couple and it's that whole thing, right, where what we're going to do is we're going to wait for marriage, where we won't have sex before marriage, we'll do the right thing, we'll, we'll give our relationship to God, we'll do all that sort of stuff. And then you try for kids and it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen again. It doesn't happen again. Seven miscarriages later, you're still in the lion's den. The mouths are still shut. But for some reason, the stone hasn't been pulled off and you've been rescued out of there. You haven't been consumed by the lion's den, but you're still in it. The stone keeps getting rolled away for everyone else, but for you... It's still dark. Well, a little while ago, the stone got rolled away. And after seven miscarriages, Mel and I are 18 weeks pregnant. You see, it's very easy to get bogged down and try and find an escape ladder or an escape rope while you're in the lion's den. But the process that God is taking you through, you've just got to trust it. We've seen siblings have one, two, three kids in the time that we've not even had one. We've seen friends and family go through multiple children. But you know what? It's very easy after number two, number three, to try and do it in your own strength. We're going to go to a naturopath because obviously there's something wrong with our body. We're going to go on a special diet because that's what we need to do. We're going to take this medication. We're going to do this. But you know what? On your knees in the lion's den, the mouths are shut. The stone may still be on there and the darkness is there. But you know what? Eventually, the stone comes off. The hand reaches down and pulls you out. And you're out of the lion's den and God be the glory. You can pray, you can fast, you can do everything and still be in the lion's den. But here's the thing. What gets you through the lion's den is what you did before the lion's den. What gets you through is the prayer, the fasting, the lifestyle of prayer that you formed before you got in the lion's den, when everything was breezy, when everything was good, because that, that consistency, that way of thinking, that prayer life is what will sustain you in the lion's den. This morning I want to, I want to just 
put a challenge out there to you. Whether you're in the lion's den or whether you're in the upper room or whether the document hasn't even been signed and everything is peachy. Make 2021 a year where you start the consistency of praying every day. Everyday prayer. We just need to stop it. We need to stop the negativity. We need to stop the thinking that is completely wrong from God. And we need to start praying. And we need to start getting ourselves connected with God because that is what sustains us in the lion's den. That will be the only thing that sustains you in the lion's den. It won't be the likes on Facebook. It won't be the friends that take you out for coffee. It'll be the connection with God that will sustain you because everything else eventually falls away except for God. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the great I am. Lord, I pray that this year we will be still and know who you are. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that no matter what happens in our lives, you shut the lion's mouths, you keep us safe in the lion's den, and Father, your hand will come down and reach out and pull us out when the time's right. We thank you for this in your precious name. Amen. Wow, thank you, Josh. Awesome. If you've just sat through that message online and, and you know, you've not reached out to God yet, you, you can feel him perhaps knocking on your heart, that little prod. Well, now's your moment. And I'm going to say a prayer and we're all going to repeat it together. So pr please repeat this prayer after me if you want to say yes to God this morning. Thank you, Lord. We thank you that you sent your son. We thank you that you died for me. Lord, I look to you this morning. I declare you a Lord of all. I declare you a Lord of my life. And I thank you that you forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you have just prayed that prayer for the very first time, congratulations. We want to get connected with you. If you're online, please let us know. If you're in the hall, come and see me because we want to get some resources to you and help you on your way. I think we're just going to end that awesome message with a song. Um, and let's just bask in his presence for a little bit longer. If you do want prayer, please come up to the front. Josh is here. He will pray with you. Um, so let's just enjoy being in his presence for a moment longer. Stand and join us. Dissolves and prefer in me. 
Guys, can we give Josh just another hand? What a fantastic message. And Josh, thank you for sharing your story. And what great news for you. And Mel, we're so delighted. How amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, guys, it does bring us to the end of our service. Pastor Mel and Jacob will be back next week. And we're going to start a new series called Unconditional. It's about God's unconditional love. So don't miss it. You want to be here for it. It'll be awesome. Why don't you go and grab yourself a drink, something to eat. If you do want prayer, we're still going to be around if you want.